Welcome to the RadicalRelationships.Love podcast. You're here because you're awesome, and we like that. So sit back and enjoy the show. Well, I'm super excited to be back. I don't get to be a part of every episode. Mom, you do. So I'm excited to be here and interviewing you, and we're going to be talking about reflective listening. So how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. My voice is a little tender. I've been in schools every day this week, doing three to four hours a day in a row um, with excited teenagers who love to interject. So, I but I love what I do. I can imagine you're having to raise your voice a lot and gain control of the room back, and that would just be exhausting both for you and your voice. Especially when they get really excited about the topic or I play a little game in between. And so I have to bring them back down so we can continue. Yeah, but I love what I do. So tell me a little bit about this. Uh, we were just, before we were getting started, you were mentioning the St. Francis poem. I was. That part where he says, O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand. There's something really powerful about allowing another person to go first in being understood. There's really nothing like somebody stepping into your world and saying, I want to be there for you right now. Right. So I, I really like what he's saying. It's it's less about, I would, I would assume most people go into a conversation and they're like, I want to be understood. Yeah. I want very, to be heard. very few people go into a conversation and be like, I want to understand somebody else. Right. But when it happens, it's incredible. My friend Pat Bell said that he sought years ago <clears throat> to be the person who's the most interested in the room rather than the most interesting. Wow. So that would that really sets the tone for what you're doing walking into a room. Now, I know some people are really good at listening to then get what they want, True. right? Like, <laughs> oh, I heard you, so now we can negotiate. Or, right. oh, I'm listening to you, so now you can listen to me, right? right. Like, so I, I we're today talking about reflective listening, which is something I grew up with. Um, which wasn't fun all the time. No. It was a skill that stood you in great stead later on, even in your workplace and your marriage. But you didn't enjoy learning about it because a big part of it is being selfless, stepping out of yourself and listening to another person's point of view, specifically your brother's. Yeah. We don't have to go there. (laughs) But we're going to. Right. Right. So, um... I want to talk about loneliness later in the podcast because that's one of the things that we can use this to overcome. Mm -hmm. Um, But we we long to be understood, Mm -hmm. which you actually define as an attachment need. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that. Well, Dr. Sue Johnson referred to several attachment needs that don't go away ever. They used to think that our needs to stay connected to people somewhat diminished after the age of 18, but we find that and even common sense in our minds. Scientists have found that we need that right until the day we die. And one of the longings that every human being carries, which we also call attachment needs, is the question, do you see me? Am I understood? And the way you can answer that question is by being listened to and feeling heard. It's, It's one thing to have somebody nod and keep eye contact and as you said um, look like they're listening but if you get a sense that they're just waiting for your lips to stop moving so they can have a turn 
proof. Yeah, that but is, oh well. Oh, if you just oh yeah, that's oh me too. Yeah, but you know. my story is yeah, and it really shuts people down and it makes them feel unloved, unseen, disrespected. So if a person can develop an ability to, which is a skill, I believe, and some gain it quickly and some others. Um, seem to be born with it, and others struggle so much with it. But if someone can gain an ability to enable another person to feel heard and understood, it'll go a long way just in being a person that others want to be around. Absolutely. And something I've noticed in myself, and uh, we, we've we enjoyed Brian Regan. He's a fairly clean comedian, and he has some jokes about a <laughs> me monster, right? Yeah. So you're in a party setting, and all of a sudden – you're talking about, he has this joke about you're having two wisdom teeth pulled. And he's like, well, I got four pulled. Or it's like, <laughs> oh, well, they had to use this. And they had to damn this. And, the, you know, just like a blood everywhere. And I couldn't talk for it. You know, there's somebody who's trying to one-up your story. And I've totally caught myself being that person who's just waiting for that other person to stop talking so I can make it about myself. Because well, we, we feel like that is going to add something to the conversation. Right. My story. Right. But what normally happens then is I'm trying to be heard over top of them, and then they try to be heard over top of me. Whereas I've actually found in, in some settings where I'll dive into somebody's world, and I'll ask them good questions, and I'll hear, and I'll follow up, and, and, and all of a sudden, they want to know me. Yeah. Because they feel it's almost like they've gotten that bucket filled, or they now say... I actually, this person is worth actually talking to. I want to get to know them because right. they've shown an interest in me. I feel cared for by this person. Therefore, it's a good person for me to connect with. Right. So it's interesting how in social situations, I've, I've, I, my tendency would be to be a me monster. But actually, I think I've been able to use what you guys have, have taught me and, and just also what I've observed and be like, you know what? I actually get a lot of benefit from being somebody who can be good at reflective listening. Mm-hmm. I think you're a master at it, actually. Oh, thank you. No, really. And I've, I've watched you in different circumstances and different social situations and your ability to step outside yourself for a moment and just jump into somebody else's world, essentially look through their eyes, um, get into their shoes, however, whatever metaphor you want to use, your ability to do that has served you well because people feel important when they're around you. And who doesn't want to be around someone who makes you feel like you actually are valued? It's almost, it's a, it's a version of love. I don't know if the Greeks have a, have a word that would, they've got lots of different words for love, but it would almost, being heard and understood is, is almost the same as loving somebody. That's what David Augsburger said when he said being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Oh. Yeah, it does feel, if somebody actually takes the time to sit down and hear you, um, yeah, and the truth is, too, you're very much more open to being um, or, or receiving feedback mm-hmm. from that person, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times I, I want to speak into somebody's life or I want to say something. Yes. And I'm like, I just, I could help you if you just understood <laughs> or, or if you saw this. And a lot of times it's not an appropriate time to speak, especially if I haven't listened first. Because okay. I that door isn't open to me until mm-hmm. they get to vent. Well, if we're talking about marriage... If a lot of times my wife doesn't even want me to fix it. So she just she just wants me to say that sucks, right? So which is a form of reflective listening. Right. You are kind of throwing back at her a mirror and saying, Wow, that must feel like this or this situation is not good. Right. Yeah. No, I can totally see that. So when a person is listening to another person, 
if they can do it without thinking immediately what they're going to say in response, which is very difficult for most people. For me, I am scanning. How am I supposed to respond to this, especially if there's a lot of emotion on it? But if I can do it without judgment or instruction or interruption, which is very difficult for a person of my um, my kind of mindset, I love teaching, I love sharing with people information that can help them. But if I don't listen really well first and they don't get that sense that I'm really getting it, they're pretty much closed off to whatever is next coming right. out of my mouth. Right. And I think we have to remember too, it's not just about words, but as I'm listening, what is my face doing? Right. Right. Because our words, if they don't match everything else that we're communicating, yeah. Um, the body language wins out, the facial expressions, the tone. And I think everyone will have experienced this if they're in a moment and something absolutely nuts is happening or somebody's accusing you of something that's just way off. And it's almost like an out-of-body experience where you look at yourself and you go, what is happening? And then you go, oh, my face is like my jaws on the floor. I need to, oh, I need to look. Or, or they're telling you something that is super personal and it's been devastating. And instead of like, there's almost like a joy that comes over you when somebody's sharing something deep because you're like, I, they trust me. Such so you're kind privilege. of, and then you start smiling a little bit and you're like, oh, this is horrible. This I need to, so you're like, smile. you're constantly having to readdress what yes. your face looks like yes. on a regular basis. One teacher is telling me this week, I keep thinking of what you talk about, uh, Darlene, with the, with how we communicate with our face. She said, so I work on my poker face all the time. I, I stand in front of the mirror and I pretend the student is saying something incredibly wild or hurtful or you know awful and I try to just you know raise my eyebrows a little bit so I'm I'm not narrowing them and looking angry I try to smile just a little bit so I look like I'm welcoming what they have to say but not smiling like I'm happy about what they're saying because a mean face can shut people down so quickly and we've talked about this my 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 face shut you down a whole lot sure sure my serious face looked like disgust when I was just, I was genuinely listening. Right. And I remember the first time that I became aware of it was with my um, roommate in school, in college. And I came back to the room and she said, oh yeah, we were talking about you in the lineup in the cafeteria. And I was like, oh yeah? She goes, yeah. The person next to me was watching you interact with somebody at a table and said, wow, your roommate, she just looks like she's going to kill that person. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, well, yeah, I, I just told him, oh, no, that's Darlene's serious face. She's just really intent on hearing them and listening. Right. And I, I looked in the mirror at that moment while I was quite puzzled and being serious, and I went, wow, I do look like I want to kill somebody. And that's the first time I had feedback about my face well it's very rare that you watch yourself without knowing that you're watching yourself and not to not to age you at all but like camp you know cameras and recording devices were were, were, we didn't didn't know what a selfie was and honestly it's really hard to do uh, check your face during emotional situations as well i remember i was in a play at grade eight it was a remembrance day play and we're we decided that we were going to play out like a war scene and people were going to die and i was playing a german soldier and um, so, you know, we rehearsed it and then the play came and we're, it's like the stop motion and the lights would go down and everything would freeze and then come back up and then it would start again. And I remember the play ended and it went, sat back and I, I was probably in grade six or seven and the grade eight sat sitting behind me was like, way to go idiot. And I'm like, what? He's like, 
you smiled ear to ear through the whole thing <laughs> while you're killing allied soldiers. And I just remember going, oh, I was having so much fun. Like just, I was, ha- I was playing with my friends. I was doing the thing. We'd rehearsed this. We were doing so well. My emotion was so high in it. I had no clue what my face looked like, but I did all the steps perfectly. But I just looked like I was having way too much oh, fun. like a maniac. And this is supposed to be a somber Remembrance Day play. And I look like a serial killer. So... Oh. It, when your emotions are high, it's, it's really hard to check your face. It's really true. And it, no, it's never more important than when somebody's sharing their heart with you. Totally. Now, I think most of us naturally do this. We, mo- we, we can naturally reflect when we agree with what somebody's saying. Right. Or we uh, can commiserate on it. Um, but it is more difficult when we don't agree with somebody. And I think it's, it feels almost impossible when we feel under attack oh it's so tough and that's that's the part that we worked at probably the most in our family well we we talk about getting a turn in our family all the time um and sometimes you're just like when is it going to be my turn to be heard and valued because sometimes uh for me i was the oldest so i was the big one who could beat up my little brother and i had to apologize because he said something snarky and then i whopped him right Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, I am in that situation a little more wrong than he is or a lot more wrong, whatever. You were held to but a greater accountability. Yes. Yes, of course. So it's, he gets to go first, right? And sometimes I'm like, and then it's like, oh, because good. we walked in on the situation yeah. when he was getting pummeled and we didn't realize right. that there was. And then I go, well, when is my turn? Right? right. And so a lot of times people, if, if two people walk into a room and they both want to be heard, especially in a conflict situation, mm-hmm. what they don't realize is actually the fastest way to be heard is to hear the other person first, quickly, well, and then you're able to actually say, hey, is it okay if I share my side now, or now I, that you feel understood? Right. Or can I share my side within the next half hour? Right. You know, while, right. while you just you and, sit on this. And well, I actually wasn't very good at this with you for a very, very long time. Oh. Um, well, I was good at this with my brothers, but mom's a different bear, right? right? Mama bear is just tougher to navigate. And I remember the first time I actually did that successfully with you where you went first and I made sure you were, you were heard and you felt, and I was like, is there anything else I don't understand? And you're like, no, that's it. And then I share, started to share mine. And just in a moment of weakness, you were like, oh, well, I, you know, you started sharing your, and I'm like, mom, we are, I thought we already went over that as we reflected for that, didn't we? And you're like, oh yeah. So then I was actually able to share my whole piece without what normally starts an argument, right? right? What normally starts an argument is start, somebody starts sharing their I side. Mean and the, that yeah. wasn't supposed to be But that hey, well, I'm, you know, I'm talking here, details, yeah, but I got my side. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, everyone's, you know, like that's how things get louder too. Right. Everyone's like, why are you yelling? It's like, because you're not listening. Right. How many times have you heard people say, you're not listening to me? So you'll say it louder right. and slower. Like that's going to make a difference. Right. So then how do you know how do you let somebody know you're listening other than, you know, smiling when it's appropriate and looking somber when it's appropriate? Right. And I get asked about this. Um, and this and the reason that I I think I'm pretty good at it when I think about it, like when I actually am putting myself in the mode, is because I was trained in counseling. And right. that was the first thing they taught us. If the person doesn't feel connected to you and the way you connect to people is making them feel heard right. and understood. And so that whole connect before you direct is essential that soften have we talked about that before solve. with our listeners there's another podcast but i never know what order people are <laughs> things in okay uh but yeah connect before you direct is a big tenet of of your guys's parenting growing up right. you couldn't just now if 
we were running into the street, obviously direct first. Absolutely. Um, but, but if we're like 16, 17 year olds and you're like, I want to be able to actually have influence in this situation. I need to connect mm-hmm. before I direct. Yeah. In fact, I think that's the next podcast I'm working on. With oh, dad. fantastic. But softening, softening before you solve means that when emotions are high, yeah. oh my goodness, it is not the time to try to solve things. Right? Yeah. We're not, I'm not thinking straight when I'm elevated, but, um, just you know, some people are really naturally good at this, but it could be when somebody's talking, just punctuate things with expressions like "wow" or "ouch." Right. Oh, you. Yeah, right. like when somebody when somebody says something, you're like, "Oh, they did that," you know, yeah. and just letting them know. Right. It doesn't have to be long. In fact, right. you're not really interrupting when you just go, "Oh, you." Oh, and weird. It's especially important. Yeah. You know, if you're. And, you know, on the telephone, and it's, right. not, and it's just audio because otherwise they're wondering, did you just put the phone down? Are you, yeah. You've gone to do something. Or even else? a business conversation over Zoom because there's that little bit of a delay, and once you start talking, they have to completely stop. Mm-hmm. Oh, because you're. And, oh no, you go ahead. So it's kind of it's yeah. The shorter the better with yeah. the, with that kind of communication. But if you're face to face, you get to say, oh, what was that like yeah, for yeah. you? You know, for sure. Um, and and you and nodding your head. Yeah. Not all the time. Yeah. It can just be a little much. But nodding your head, smiling. You don't have to stare at the person, but eye contact is a thing. And these are just things we're teaching our kids. Right. But they're things we sometimes have to teach our spouse. Right. Because if we're talking about something that's making them feel ashamed, right. they're going to look away because shame does not want right. me looking in your eyes. And so when we talk about reflective listening, Matt, we're, you know that we cover this. This is going to be helpful in business. It's going to be helpful with your kids. It's helpful uh, with your spouse. It's helpful with your friends. Totally. Like across the board, it's just ele- it just elevates a person's emotional intelligence. If you want to be friends with somebody who doesn't seem super interested in being your friend as an adult, um, well, reflective listening is a great way to, to connect with somebody. Um, one of your secret weapons, and I didn't realize this until a couple of years ago, <laughs> would be your this question. What do you think that's about? Or what's going on with that? Yeah. And I would now all of a sudden I am laying bare my soul mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, well, maybe, you know, my, they don't really care about me or, oh, maybe I was just scared or so a, a great question can actually get to the heart of the issue way sooner, sure. um, even in conflict, you know, well, like it why shows that you want to hear more. Yeah, 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 totally. You're saying how so or and then what? Right. Or what do you think about that? Or. Or what, how's that feel? Like because some of us are more thinkers, we, you know, work out of one side of our brain, and some of us are more feelers. So, if you're with a more feeler person, you want to say so, and what do you think about that? Right. And a person who's, you know, all in their thoughts, it's like, and how's that feel? And that right. a person who doesn't use a lot of feeling words may be completely stumped. Yeah. In that moment. Oh, I've asked people, oh, what, like, like, how was your week? You know, oh, this happened, this happened. Okay. And, you know, something significant went down and, yeah. oh, how do you feel about that? Um, <laughs> and they just kind of stare off into the field. How, how do I feel about that? And, but in that moment, they're like, this person actually cares yes. about me. Yes. So it's not a shaming thing. No. And I'm a slower processor. So it actually takes me a while to do a little bit of an internal check. And go, how do I feel about that? And what do I think about that? Right. And um, which is why we utilize the feelings wheel a lot. You know, growing up with you guys, just teaching you different words for totally. emotions. 
And again, do we have the feelings wheel on the website yet? No, because there are tons of them free okay. online. And okay. Someone can just download, you know, and just type in feelings wheel. Type in feelings wheel. And okay. they'll just give you at least 15 different words for sad. Yeah. And just, and just so you guys know, I'm the I'm one of the producers, and and I've I've been wanting my mom to do this kind of stuff for a long time. You gave us so, the yeti. Yeah, I gave her the I gave her the microphone, um, but so when she's like, oh no, you know, just Google it. I'm like, oh, but you can make your own, and then you could sell it for like twenty <laughs> bucks online or something. And, I, and my mom's like, no, I want. So her what, genuine what, what? your genuine desire is that people actually get better and don't and don't have to experience a paywall. Right, like you want people to be able to actually help their families, yeah. and not be like, oh well, you know, twenty bucks, and then you care about your family, or four hundred dollars for a course, and then you care about your That's family. Um, let's let's so. Um, you you said something very interesting about um, if you're a feeler, what you have to do, and like tamp down your feelings, and how to ask, you know, what actually happened, and if you're somebody who struggles with emotions, you know, and is more just a facts person to actually ask them how they feel. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you de-escalate yourself in a conflict so that way you're actually able to hear the other person's point of view? Ooh, like, how do you that, how do you do that? That is something I've been working on my entire life because I didn't even know I was an angry person until I got married. <laughs> really, I thought I was a pretty patient person. Now, ask my brother; he probably would completely disagree. Right? He would have been the brunt of it. You know, I wouldn't get mad at my friends. Right. Not like that, anyways. I'll lose my friends. Right. Um, I wasn't. I didn't feel like I had permission to get uh, upset with my parents. You just don't do that. That's disrespectful. Oh, I'm sorry. I got upset with you. Yeah. <laughs> I got her. That must have been a shock for you when you're <laughs> like, you're allowed to do this. <laughs> yeah. So, Kim was my new family, and I would get upset with him so easily over sometimes nothing like. You look back and go, "What's that about?" And sometimes it's over nothing. Don't do you smile and well, he would he, he would agree with he you. would he would joke sometimes. Well, not joke. He would say, "I'm sorry for the five percent that I am wrong in he this." Said that once. Yeah. He never said that again. No, I'm sure he didn't. <laughs> he tried it and he's like, "You know what? That didn't really work this time." No, it didn't. So how do I de- de-escalate? Um, well, I've learned, and I actually went to counseling for one week over it because I was realizing my anger was getting. It was escalating. Right. Um, this is probably another podcast we could do, but my anger was escalating when my sons would fight. And that was my greatest point of frustration and fear and all these mixed emotions that were coming together. And so... Why, why would that take you out? I, I don't know what to do and they're hurting each other and I love them. Why are they doing this? Whether it was two or right. three, all three together. Did you feel like it was your fault? Um... Not necessarily, but I didn't. I, I did feel it was my fault that I couldn't figure it out. Like we bought books, how to help your kids not fight, and I mean, <laughs> I, we, we will never. I can't imagine us ever doing a podcast on saying this is what you do because I'll, right. I'll interview other people for sure. Right. But that was never. We we could help you repair after. Right. But how to stop your kids from fighting from the beginning? It's just I don't, awesome. I, me thinking about that. it, I don't even know. I don't even know how. I think some people just get along and some people don't, and we just didn't. Yeah. Like, you were just all so different, and so there are different moments of fighting. So my anger, um, how do I... So at at that, after my week of counseling, I actually um, 
was able to realize I need to take responsibility for how I'm feeling and I need to exit from the situation. I need to separate calmly and then I need to exit and right. calm myself down. I remember that. You would you would say I need sometimes 5, 10, 15 minutes yeah. and then we'd come back at it and it was cool a totally off. different vibe in the room after. I need to cool off. I need to go tell Jesus. I need to go, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. Right. Um, and I need to just go this you know, this too will pass. Right. We're going to figure out this is a learning opportunity, but I had to talk myself down because all I wanted to do was just yell at you, stop yelling. <laughs> now, if, Which I know I, I'm sure I did. And if we're honest, if we're going to like, if we're going to actually take a step back and say what we're asking for you to do in conflict, you know, and actually put the, let the other person go first and reflect well for them when you are spitting mad. Mm-hmm. This is like black belt level stuff. It is. This is not, this is not easy. Mm-hmm. So if you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, I've never done this or I can't do this or I tried it five times and I sucked at it. This is, this is absolutely brutal, ridiculously hard. And I've been, I've been married for a couple of years now or five, six years. And my wife's just started to be able to do this to me and reflect for me first and it's mind-blowing but it took her a while and she'll say i've just never been exposed to this before it took her years yeah. with somebody who's an expert at, at you know going first because you had so many opportunities yes because uh, you know I've, I've, I've been wrong a lot and actually yeah and, and sometimes and she'd also know she knew me well enough to know when i wasn't doing it yeah she's like you're not you're not loving me by, you know, reflecting. by reflecting. And I went, shoot, she knows, you know, so she knows I could do that. So. And so when you withhold that, it's really quite hurtful. Yeah. What I do, what I do know is that the little bits of reflecting that we do along the way can enable us to be more prepared. It's like practicing. There's just nothing like practicing. Practice uh, reflecting, first of all, when you, when you agree and then practice reflecting when you disagree. And then you get to graduate to the when you really, you know, feel like it's coming at you. Yeah. But I, I have to say that this is um, this is something I've always wanted to teach in part of our marriage classes or parenting classes. But the reason I asked if we could do this was because it requires a lot of time and it requires a lot of practice. So it really doesn't fit into um, a weekend event or even an evening event. It really, it's the star of a show and it needs its own show. It, it really does. And so we're going to try to break down reflective listening. Mm-hmm. I've often, you've heard me say it. I've often said that, um, this saved our marriage. Like our first year wow. of marriage was so brutal, but I just come out of counseling and just cause you know how to do something doesn't mean you do it. <laughs> no. at all. Wait, wait, wait. You have a counseling degree at this point, right? Well, I have a, a, a master's in education. Okay. And the major was in counseling. So oh, okay. I've done a practicum in counseling. I've counseled a lot of people. I, oh, you know what to do. <laughs> I know what to do. That doesn't mean you can do it. Right. In the real world. Right. And so in our first year of marriage, we were starting to dread weekends because we'd have to spend too much time together. We knew we disagreed and we didn't know how to, how to disagree well. So I would say, babe, we we got to learn how to do this for each other. Right. So I would teach Kim how to do it. And now I, th- I think he's better than me. I would teach Kim how to do it and I would force myself to do it. And we had a, a little a little stool because he's six six. I'm about five, seven and a half. And somebody still tall us, for a lady. Oh, thank, thank you. Yeah. Somebody had given us a little stool that said for those of equal passion but unequal height. So it was <laughs> a little cue that if I stood on it, I needed a hug. I was feeling misunderstood. I was feeling right. hurt. And if he went and stood by it, 
he was saying, I'm feeling misunderstood, I'm feeling hurt. And so we'd have That's each other still really tough. To like, even just to have the wherewithal to say, what do I need in that moment? Because a lot of times you're just like, I'm spitting mad. I want to leave you. I want to I hurt this other person yes. the way they hurt me. I want to exit so I don't sin. I would say that sometimes. I'm going to leave right now because otherwise I'm going to sin. And yeah. I'm going to have to apologize. And then I'm going to be more wrong than you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst is when is oh. when you didn't even do anything, but they pushed, they got frustrated, angry, hurt, pushed your buttons to the point where now you're more wrong than there. Hey, Matt, did you ever do that with me? Nope, never. Uh, (laughs) Never experienced that. Um, I will say this. Uh, You told me to do something ridiculous, and I didn't do it until marriage. And I've only done it a couple of times, but it totally works. Um, Lying down. Yeah. I've been standing in a kitchen, and we're going at it, just like loudly disagreeing. And for me to just lie down... And all of a sudden, it, it's almost telling my body to calm down, yeah, and telling my brain to calm down. Um, it also it feels you- like I'm, it feels like you're giving up. It's like ah, and you just collapse <laughs> on the ground. And you're like ah, and then all of a sudden, you know, your body, your heart rate goes down, your blood pressure goes down, and obviously, your your whoever you're arguing with is like something's different because you're lying on the ground now, and it totally de-escalates that situation. So I just want to say I've definitely oh. tried it, done it a couple of times. Wow. Um, and it really, it really works. It also works parents to children. Really? Yeah. And so what you're doing is, because think of how much taller and bigger that you are than any of your children. Right. Oh, of course. For a very long time. Yeah. And what it's saying is you're signaling to them that you're not in the aggressive position. Right. Not that you are defensive or passive, but you are going to relax. This is not the end of the world. You're going to figure it out. In fact, if you want, let's figure it out together. Why don't you lie down here? We'll look up at the ceiling together and talk about this. Well. Like, remember, bot, words, tone, and body language are 55% of our communication when the words don't match. Oh, I've, what, what how, many times, how many say, times? How many times? No, I didn't. I said it wrong. Facial expression and body language are 55% of communication when words don't match, and, and tone is 38%. So, and that leaves only 7% for words mattering. So, you're, we're trying to get our words all perfect when it doesn't matter because our face and our body is expressing something that doesn't match. Like, how many times have you heard somebody say sorry and oh. they didn't mean it? Oh, how many times? Yeah. First off, sorry is not allowed in our house. Sorry. Yeah, we could. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sorry and running away. Oh, that's the worst. It's like, mm-hmm. screw you and running away. Like, in it's our like. family, we actually had to differentiate between sorry and will you forgive me? Yeah, sorry, accident. Oh, bumped into you. Sorry. Or knocked over your milk. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, will you forgive me is. I I yelled at you. Would you forgive me? Right? Like, I, d- I actually did something wrong. Um, one was unintentional. One was. Maybe not well thought out, but you you did it. Yeah, yeah. Oh you're man! Taking, oh, you're owning it. That was our way of owning it. Man, we're throwing so many things in here. Yeah. Well, reflective listening is all about relationships, which is, is. all about conflict and how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, whether it's parenting or spouse or, I remember. Now, reflective listening, I have a great track record with it, and I think I'm pretty good, but it doesn't work with everybody. I remember I was working at a restaurant, and picture the lady who's worked there for 45 years, and she's, you know, she's a little bit shorter, gray hairs coming in, and just like, just the whole world has, everything has always been wrong since all, you know, the beginning, and no one's actually ever taken the time to listen to her before. Well, she's going off on something, and I, hey... You know, and I'd say her name, hey, it sounds like this and this is going on, and that would be really, really hard. And she goes, yeah. 
And you know what else? And she kept going. I was like, oh, I'm going to break her. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get her feeling understood. You know, I'm going to stop this rant because these rants happened on a daily basis. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I reflect again and, hey, that sounds really brutal. And I can't believe that that situation happened. No, thanks for saying that. And, you know, and then she just kept, and I'm like, I've got tables I got to get to. I'm like, I can't do this forever. So I, th- there are some, some t- people or some situations where you're like, I'm going to use this magic bullet and it's totally going to work. Um, and uh, one of my previous bosses, he used this on his wife and he's like, it was like somebody poked a, a little hole in the balloon and all the air just seeped out of it. Right. She was all, positive yeah, positive. She's puffing up. She's getting ready for an argument. And I went low and reflected for her and the room shifted. So a lot, like I, this would be my go-to. This is the first thing I try. This works most of the time. Well, you, you were the one that suggested it to your boss, and he was raving about it. Yeah. You, man, you, you, you told him, do you want your arguments to go from like five days to five minutes? Right. Now, and as you pointed out, doesn't always work. If somebody has, has a, a compulsive, I'm never feeling heard, they almost take what you say and then just use it as a license to keep going. Right. So we've given it. You've given a couple examples of reflective listening, but let's break it down what it is. Okay. Okay. So reflective listening is simply giving a person an experience of being understood without judgment, putting their thoughts and their feelings together. Oh, the without judgment part is so hard. Well, that's where I got to watch my tone and I got to watch my body language and my facial expression. So you got to watch your tone and you got to watch your language and facial facial expression. But I also, um, yeah, body language. But I have to watch the words I say that can sound... Um, it, here's the thing. I can minimize your experience. You come home, you're oh, so furious, easy. and I go, so you're a little bothered. <laughs> okay. That- oh, so, yeah. Oh, so you, without the kids today, doing your own job, you know, hanging out, doing whatever. Yeah, somebody sent you a bad email. Oh, that sounds terrible. I got thrown up on today. <laughs> Perfect example. Right. So, or it can even be more insidious. Like okay. I, me and my brothers, I'm like, oh yeah, sorry that offended you when I did this. Oh, you know, yeah. it's like I can I can see how you know somebody with a, such a small mind and of of, <laughs> so su- li- of such little constitution could be offended by such a small gesture on someone like my you know right. on my part when so, I wasn't meaning to. So we we do, um, not all of us, but. <laughs> I, I do. I have a history of being able to use reflective listening in a demeaning oh, and for sure. a, um, a, a contemptuous way. In the same way karate black belt, you know, can be used for good or evil, you it's, know? It actually is, is true. Um, and I remember the day, I don't know if you remember it, um, you had your driver's license, but it was a learner, so you weren't allowed to drive the whole family. Therefore, you had to catch a ride with me uh, in the family vehicle there wasn't another vehicle um everyone was supposed to be dropped off at different places before my appointment so three boys to get in the car i've got an appointment you get to be dropped off first i'm going to be dropped off last everyone knows in the morning what time we have to be in the car five minutes before we're supposed to leave i call out okay everybody get in the car five minutes we need to leave joel and jordy jump in the car I hear the shower door close and the shower go on. Oh, I don't remember this. This, I, it's, it's, it's as clear as day. I get into the driver's seat of the van. I sit there waiting with the boys. You come in about five minutes later. 
Oh, I nailed it. I was right on time. No, that was, we were all sitting in the car. And so it's like we were oh. five minutes late and we're pulling out of the garage. And I look over at you, your hair's wet, your clothes are sort of half wet because you've thrown them on and because you like long showers. And you came out and turned to me with the biggest smile and said, Mom, I can't imagine how frustrated you are right now. You must be so irritated. I'm the oldest. I know better. I can drive for crying out loud. And you gave me plenty of warning. And instead of me paying attention to the clock, the last second when you are essentially asking us to get in the car, I go and have a shower. How insensitive is that? And now everyone is late because of me. I nailed it. You nailed it. And my mouth, I'm, I look like a fish that's gaping. My mouth kind of like, <gasps> and you took all my words, and then you, then you gave me the biggest smile ever, and was like, am I close? Is there anything I missed? Is there anything I missed? And I was like, you brat! Oh, yeah. You just stole all my thunder. So he, so Matt avoided uh, a tongue lashing. Now, I don't know if I get away, if I did that every day, I don't think no, no, I get away no, with I, that. That's what I'm saying. I totally remember it. Right. And I was quiet, and I was thinking we taught him too well. Yeah. We had one, and I, and then later on I said, "But matter, are you, are you sorry for that? Like, is that going right. to happen again?" You're like, "No, mom, I'm, I'm really sorry." I, I thought about it the whole time, yeah. you know, that I was being unfair to everybody, so I just thought if I could yeah. understand. And I'm sure your brothers are sitting in the back seat going, "He's not getting in trouble. How is this fair? <laughs> this is not right." He just, yeah. just because he learned to reflect. And we'll and, do a whole podcast on why life's not fair. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, so you touched on some nuts and bolts about how to actually do this. Okay. And um, thoughts and feelings put together. Right. Um, One of the things you said at the very end, and and we might jump around this just a little bit, and sorry if it's not super coherent, but one of the things was I said, is that close? Mm -hmm. Or is there anything I missed? Mm -hmm. So if your goal is to make sure that you get your turn next or that it actually is resolved, as hard as it is, mm-hmm. when you reflect, that would suck this, this, and this. And sometimes maybe even mix, mix in an apology. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry I did that. Can you please forgive me? Mm-hmm. And they say yes. Then to take that next step and say, is there anything else I miss? Is there anything else I missed? That actually is what opens the door for, yeah, it sucks for you because, well, you missed the biggest thing, you idiot. Mm-hmm. And and then then you've got to quickly overcome that pain, apologize, and then you're able to, you know, mm-hmm. share your hurt. Mm-hmm. But it is it is um, it is a big deal if you're able to actually go first. And if you're just reflecting, you know, is that close? Um, and if you're reflecting slash apologizing, is there anything I missed that I can apologize for? Mm-hmm. Anything else? Um, but what man, if you the, do this well, it's such a big deal. Yeah, it's true. And what I think is the bigger the offense, the more time the person needs to just, it may be in between. Right. And, and again, what's a, what's a big offense to you is not a big offense to me. So I might not understand why in the world are you so upset, but right. it might feel like a pattern to you. It might felt like a whole big buildup. Right. And I do think that when we listen to people, um, and they get a chance to just rant a little bit. It actually starts wounding us, and we feel like we have to put our walls up. Right. So, for me, if I can, instead of putting my walls up, I can kind of grab onto a couple words that that person is saying, and maybe use them back for them. Now, I might not be a specialist, and the person listening might go, "I don't have a feelings wheel in my head. I don't have a whole bunch of feelings I can pull from." Um, Okay, we'll use some of the words that they use, like hurt, upset, 
angry. Because they might not have a feelings wheel background either. That's so. right. They might just they just might say sad and yeah. and then put those two things together. So, for example, um, when you came downstairs, into and jumped into the car, and and we took off, you imagined how I was feeling. I didn't even say any. I didn't get to say any words. You put yourself in my shoes though and went. You must have been so frustrated. You must. It must it's also so entirely possible that I'd done that before, and you had uh, you had reamed me out already. Yeah. So it's I might have already heard the speech that's a couple really, of times. That's, that's entirely possible. Yeah, and if you're if you're married or you know your kids or you're having uh, the same argument over and over again, you could probably even though they're wrong. Right. Or, or you think they're wrong. You could probably actually do a good job of reflecting for them if it's something that cont- consistently right. keeps coming up. Right. So ask yourself, can I make a case for them? Right. Like, could I argue their position to somebody else? Right. And see what thoughts and feelings. Now, why do I say both thoughts and feelings? Feelings are important. <clears throat> like you said, well, that sucks. Um, so that's kind of an expression of how it feels. But if you just keep it just to feeling, so you're upset, so you're angry, so you're hurt... You're a crazy. You're the a crazy person. You're a crazy person. There's no basis in reality. There's no foundation, which yeah. is why you want to attach it to the to the experiences. I'm like sorry that. that me pouring water on my head before we got in the van upset you so. You know, it's like <laughs> that. That doesn't actually. Yeah, you've addressed my feeling, but you, you know. But if it's like, hey, I can imagine that it would feel like I don't care about right. you. Wow. Right. I can imagine that it would feel like I don't care about you, and that would that would really suck and and make you feel like like alone or make you feel like wow. it doesn't matter like you don't Matt, matter I'm going to ninja level right now stop no. freaking everybody no, I'm just a black, like, I don't know if I can do that just a black belt but if you could do that and oh man I, the thing is I got to play in a playground where I was asked to do this on a regular basis so what do you mean by that so examples. I always joke that my parents probably put 500 hours of counseling into my brother and I's relationship but I was asked to do this all the time yes it might work the one time like you might have like my boss experienced Oh my goodness, I brought that up with my spouse and it just totally deflated the whole situation. That's awesome. Thank you for showing me that. But are you going to do that on a regular basis? Are you going to do that when you're really hurt and not just they're upset? Like, this is one of those things that if you're able to master, you will spend, I would say, 80% less time arguing and sure. and way more of your time uh, reconnecting, getting back on track, um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Only only once you're a black belt and I've done that for a while do you actually get in trouble like me for for not reflecting the one the one time that you decide not to because you're just mad and don't want to do it or whatever. So Because it's so shocking. If somebody is able to jump in your world when you feel like you still want to be mad at them and they're guessing how their their actions have affected you negatively, that you're thinking, wow, this person is actually hearing me. Can you like? I want everyone just at home right now, or you're in the car, or whatever, wherever you are. Think about the last time you were really, really mad, and what would it have been like if that person actually tried to care for you like this? Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry I did that. It would look like I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, are we allowed to swear on this podcast? I don't know. I wouldn't call it swear. I just it's. Well, I learned that one from my mom anyway. Hey, so okay, D- delete all this. <laughs> oh, it's staying in. 
That's rarely used, but so effective. Rarely used. Well, there was a rule in our house when mom swore, we all all the it's kids got to use it. It's not a swear. You're right. It's not a swear. She grew up, you know, in in Winnipeg and what? farm country, I guess. Farmers no. would just say that no. all the time. Okay. Whatever. Okay. So just some little throwaway um, quotes. See if you can reflect for me, and and then we can kind of go back and forth, and we'll see how. Okay. Do. So you're going to say something, and sure. I'm going to reflect. Sure. Um, what if your spouse or your child came home and said, I don't have any f- real friends. What do you want to say? Oh, of course you do. <laughs> Think about this person, this person. If this person isn't a real friend, then I don't know what is. And I've just solved your problem, right? Right, yeah. Oh. Or think about the people that were at your party. So if right. somebody says something and it bothers you, you disagree with them, it is difficult. Especially to when they're just wrong. <laughs> so I'm going to try again. Okay. I don't have any real friends. Oh, why do you feel that way? Well, because nobody really listens to me. I'm, I'm, I, I try to step out, and it just doesn't matter. I try to share my opinion, but they don't really, you know, want to hear what I have to say. Honestly, that really sucks when you try, and it feels like nobody else is gonna even hear you. That would be brutal. I'm sorry. Nice. Um, how about you try it? Um. So yeah, I'm gonna say you don't trust me. Wow. Okay. I said I was going to clean the toilet, and you went, uh, yeah, okay, and then you went and cleaned it anyways, even though I told you I was going to do it. So you don't respect me enough to trust that when I say something, I'm actually going to do it. And what I want to say, I want to say, yeah, because you never do, and you took like three hours, and I meant right away. Okay, so, but if I'm going to reflect for you, try again. So you don't trust me. That's what I feel like. I feel like you don't trust me. Well, I said I was going to do the toilet, and instead of you believing that I was going to do it, you just went and did it anyways. So what am I, chop liver? Okay, so when I go ahead and do something that you've already agreed to, it would look like I don't trust you, and that would really hurt. It would, it would feel embarrassing and maybe a little disrespectful. Yeah, oh, I was going to say it was disrespectful. <laughs> Shoot. Well, yeah, like, and I might share a little bit more about how it just feels like a, and it's not just that, it feels like a pattern, but yeah, it it feels like that for sure. Okay. Okay, well, I I do not want to make you, I I guess I can't make you feel that. Yeah, but it's like, that's appropriate language. Um, I don't want to make you feel hurt or disrespected or embarrassed, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I take three hours to clean the toilet. I know you wanted me to do that right away, and I just left it till later, and I'm I'm sorry I did that. Do you think that might happen? It's happened all the time. It happens all the time. Oh, see, that's the thing. Sometimes when you reflect and you do a really, really good job of it, and the other... Now, it's It's not a guarantee, guarantee, so don't get mad if the other person doesn't. Um, but a lot of times when you reflect and they're, um, they have high EI or emotional intelligence and um, they're an empathetic or sympathetic person, they realize that maybe they just dumped something on you and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't to the level that, it wasn't a, a 10 out of 10, you're the worst, right. but you communicated like it was, it was maybe more of a 4 out of 10, then they're going to be like, hey, and I'm sorry too that I... Um, but it, you do get to turn around and be like, hey, like, also, I, I just cleaned the toilet because I really needed it clean and I... 
I don't. Right. What is something in the future I could do to like say, hey, to signal that would I can I can I tell you that I need it done in the next hour or twenty right. minutes? Can I do that or what? What would work? Right. And that's part of the follow up to be able to say, hey, um, you know, I've been thinking about we talk what we talked about. Could yeah. be like ten minutes later or fifteen minutes later. I've been thinking about what we talked about with the whole cleaning right. the toilet thing, and I think we might need um, a plan. Right. You know, or or you know, would you should we should can we do some brainstorming on what could work in the future? And that's actually something my wife's always really been good at. She says, "Walt, do you have any advice or feedback, or how do we do this differently next time?" And a lot of times, a lot of times, I don't want to fix it for next time. I'm like, ah, like it's fine, whatever. And she's like, "No, what can we do next time?" I'm like, "Oh shoot!" Because a lot of times too, if you ask what we could do next time, it also holds a mirror up to your actions and being like, you know this wasn't okay how how can we respond better next time right. using the toilet uh, i didn't clean the toilet as so she's like what can i do better next time i was like shoot i guess i did take three hours the last time she asked me to clean the toilet and company's coming over and they're going to be here in half an hour and she's feeling i can pressure. understand you know so like i now have to, i have to help her come up with a solution that would actually solve the problem mm-hmm. um because if i don't do that she's going to be like well that does, that doesn't solve my problem so how do we actually resolve that so that's so good putting a pin in something kind of like let's hold that for another time you know company's just walking in you don't right. want to be arguing right there right. is not easy but it's really mature yeah i do think you know we we end up turning into a toilet cleaning thing, but that's the stuff life's made of. Oh, that's the stuff you end up arguing for hours about. Because it's not about the toilet. No. It's about feeling disrespected on both sides. Totally. It's about feeling alone, you know, for the person requesting. It's like, oh, so it goes kind of back to the, the you know, am I heard? Am I being heard? Am I... Am, are you taking my side? Are you are you there for me? Can I trust or, you? Yeah. Can I trust you? It yeah. goes right back to that stuff. And we said at the beginning of the podcast we were going to talk about loneliness um, and touch on it in just a little bit. Um, I think I think at this point it could be it could be obvious to people listening that um, this would be a huge way to actually break through somebody's loneliness. It's true. It's true. And loneliness is seen as a crisis, and some countries have called it a state of emergency. Um, I think it's the UK and Japan that have established ministers of loneliness. Established with, ministers of with, loneliness within their government. Wow! Because they're so concerned about what the repercussions of that loneliness are. And and the um, the outworking of that would look something like depression, yeah. which people would say there's tons of depression everywhere. And I wonder if it's part nice. of that part of that is just people feeling like nobody cares. Right. Well, the Springtime Research Institute did a 2020 study recently. Okay. Tell me about that. They found out that 69% of ages 13 to 25-year-olds have three or fewer meaningful interactions on a regular day. And this was in 2020. So this is during the pandemic? Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry. This is a study. So it came out during the pandemic. Does that mean does that mean that would be during the pandemic or was that just in, this in general? This was previous to the pandemic. Okay. This came out in early 2020. And they said nearly 40% said that they feel they have no one to talk to and that no one really knows them well, at least sometimes. That's so interesting. And I, I just want to go back to the 69% of 13 to 25 have three or fewer, fewer meaningful interactions. I wonder if what the cell phone has done for that. Mm-hmm. Right, like what YouTube or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever has done to those meaningful interactions, where now you're interacting through a video game, 
I, I, well, I've I've seen way more meaningful interactions happen on video games a lot of times simply because the guys are sitting there and they have nothing else to talk about mm-hmm. and they wind up actually talking about their feelings. But their defenses are down. Yeah, they're actually playing with which which fits with the way guys communicate. Totally, actually. totally. It's way easier to it's way easier to talk when you're doing something for a guy. But it is crazy that three or fewer meaningful interactions. That means the vast majority of your day, you don't think anybody cares about what's going on in your world. And more than one in four said that they have no, they have one or fewer adults. It means one or zero adults in their lives that they can turn to if they need to talk. So essentially, there's nobody I trust. Right. Maybe one. Maybe one. And it, one in, and that, more than one. I would guess. Four. I would guess it's a grandma. Maybe like we don't know, and that'd be my guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What I do know is that the power of turning, you know, loneliness on its ear, is being a person who's available to listen, which is not easy. We got a really fast-paced world, right? <clears throat> and sometimes we have to take the moments that we have rather than carving out moments. I think carving out moments is essential, right? But sometimes it's thus just sitting next to you for a minute. It's um, it's driving in a car, putting down. Putting down the devices is really difficult when the devices are giving us dopamine and the relational interaction is isn't, not. Is it? In fact, it's making us feel more misunderstood or more hurt. And why would you want to inter- in, uh, engage, in this example, a teenager? Why would you want to in- engage a teenager that um, is probably going to tell you how you're screwing up, how you're failing them? As or or use three-word sentences. Adult. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what would you say to an parent who's looking at their kid and they think, I wonder if they're experiencing some loneliness? There's nothing like... There's nothing like when you have incarnational experiences. And Jesus did that when he came to earth as a baby. And we can do that when we step into somebody else's shoes. So I would say, sit next to your teenager... In any way you can, even while they're playing video games, um, or even while they're weird them just, right out. Yeah, yeah, weird them right out. Show some interest in what they're doing, and then, and then say, "Hey, I'd I'd love to take five minutes just to find out how your day was." And even if they're just saying, "Ah, fine," it's like so. Say more. Like you just actually show you're, you're interested in in them, and if that doesn't work that day. Try it again the next day, right. and the next day, just so that they're expecting. Where's my five five minute checkup? And right. and if you're ready for whatever explosion might pop out of their mouth, like you know, um, my brother hates me, or you don't care about me, right? Or I'm not sure I want to pray anymore. It doesn't seem to work. Okay, so so let's right. do this one. Like let's say your child or your friend yeah. says, "I'm not sure I, I I want to pray anymore. It doesn't seem to work." Oh. Uh... What's going on with that? Tell me more. Right. And then you know, oh well, now just this, this, and we prayed for we prayed for say? Aunt Mimi, and she she's still sick, and I don't know what's going on with but that. What and, do you want to say? Oh, I want to say, well, think about this last time that we, you know, like a lot of people haven't experienced healing in their lives, but we, our family has has, and so we'd be like, oh well, think about this, this, and this, and the Bible says this, and um, it's very clear that prayer works, and look at this, this, and this. So we, I would immediately want to go to examples yeah. and say, I don't understand why it's not working on this one right now, but we're going to keep praying, or you know, whatever it is. But that doesn't actually address, and and I've seen lots of times, it doesn't actually address the root issue for that person. So you might whitewash it or kind of whatever, but now they've just thought, okay, well. 
I brought my concern that prayer doesn't work to a parent, and instead of them actually addressing how I feel about it, they just told me I'm wrong. So now I can't talk to my parent anymore about that. Right. And if you find that you do that to a friend, a parent, uh, your, your, your parent, your child. <laughs> yeah, you, your, you have a parent relationship no, too. No, we do. Many of us do. Um, or you're our spouse and we realize we kind of shut them down. It's really wonderful when somebody comes back around and says, I've been thinking about what we were talking about yesterday. I think I might have shut you down. Right. And even if you didn't, they're like, wow, right. you thought about it? Now, they might not be open in that exact Consider. moment to right. talk about it. So you might be like, hey, if you want to talk about that again, you know, I'd love to take you out to go to Dairy Queen or something. Or, you know, like, uh, I'd, ask, like a I'd like to do Yeah, I'd like to ask you about that later if that's okay. Because they might not, just because now you're ready to have that conversation and they mustered up the courage the day before to kind of like bring that to the forefront right. doesn't mean... It depends on your kid or right. the person you're talking to. doesn't mean that they're going to be ready to go in that moment and be like, oh, I'm ready to just hop back on that train and keep going. You might have lost it, unfortunately. Yeah, in that moment. Yeah. But here's, you've got, here's what you get to be excited about. You have a whole lot more opportunities to fail. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I mean, no, I but, did. But I, like you proved, you proved by going back and saying, hey, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Yes. And you actually build trust and, you, and you're now safer. Now, in that exact moment, are they going to open up? To the exact same way? Probably probably not. Who knows? But you have communicated, I want to be a safe place for you and I'm willing to work at that. That's a huge deal. It is. It is. I think this can be actually taught at really young ages. And the reason I think that is because of Jordy's example. Uh, when he was about six years old, I walked upstairs um, as he was playing with his friends in his room and I heard elevated voices. So I'm just going upstairs. He's got two friends there. They're lifelong friends. They're wonderful little boys. And I only hear the tail end. And this is what I hear from Jordy. He says the boy's name. And then he says, I can imagine that you're thinking that you're not as important to me as this other friend here. Because you don't get to come over as often. But I just want you to know you're really important. And I really like he having you that? here. He did No way. And this little boy went just quiet. And uh, and everything was quiet for a very long time. I'm just standing outside the door seeing if I need to come in and go, is everything okay? And then all of a sudden that little boy just goes, so I put the Legos over here and then I put the <laughs> here. And it's like Jordy jumped into guessing what this little boy's frustration might be. Yep. And I mean, that's incredible. A six year old. Right. And again, some people are more predisposed to this, but if they get used to the idea of whether you're coming in and saying, hey, I just got a, a raise, I'm, oh, baby, you just must, you must be so psyched. Right. Because you, you feel valued and respected and appreciated and having that in a, a monetary form. Right. That must that must be amazing. So you start with a And I see you I see you with. comment, yeah. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. I see you not just like that's great, now we can buy something, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What that's gonna I can quit my job now. Yeah, yeah. But jumping into that person's heart and head and maybe even putting emotions in there that they hadn't identified. And right. that's a job of a parent to be able to help kids with their emotional vocabulary. That you might want to use the word irritated wow, that would feel really irritating. And they can go, what's irritating? Right. You know? Right. Totally. Wow. So we've really covered the gamut of uh, reflecting how to do it, um, 
how hard it is. This is this is something that honestly we'd love to hear your stories. Mm-hmm. Um, if at any point you uh, wanted to reach out to us and be like, I tried reflecting, and this is this is what's happened. That balloon thing where the air went out. That's exactly what happened. Or I tried it and it was like opening Pandora's box (laughs) and you would not imagine the stuff that came out. Now we're working on it and we're actually able to address the real stuff that was bubbling under the surface that I didn't know was whatever it is. We'd love to hear it. Um, So feel free to hop on uh, radicalrelationships.love. We've got an email on there. Uh, We'd love to hear your stories. And, uh, and if you do have any stories, maybe we'd even uh, either, if you give us permission, we can either share them or, um, or even post them on the website. It's kind of like, hey, these are examples of people who, you know, took this into their life, um, mm-hmm. applied it, and mm-hmm. this is the result of that. Mm-hmm. And in a world of sound bites and memes, really listening is going to feel like a foreign concept, foreign language mm-hmm. for many, but it, it's, it's love. It's just love. It's just love. Thanks for enjoying the RadicalRelationships.love podcast. If you want to check out any of our multiple resources or get in contact with us, feel free to check out RadicalRelationships.love.